Welcome. You're listening to The Baker's Notebook, a new podcast about home baking. I'm Stacy, a mom of two, and I enjoy baking with my kids when I'm not teaching biochemistry lab. And I'm Mia, a romance author and home baker. We're two longtime friends who met and bonded over the perfect apple pie. Bake along with us as we find new recipes to try. Listen as we compare notes about our successes and inevitable failures in the kitchen. Learn along with us as we become better home bakers, one delicious recipe at a time. This week, we're baking cheese souffle by David Leibovitz. Bake along with us. So Mia, you chose this week's recipe. What made you choose it? Well, the recipe is by David Leibovitz and... um, I just really like his work. He was a chef for many years at Chez Panisse in Berkeley, and then he moved to Paris, and he writes about French food and pastry and French life, and um, I have this, we have a grapefruit tree in our front yard, and he has this wonderful grapefruit marmalade recipe. Um, One of the things I like about him is that he has very solid techniques to offer, but he also has like this really fun personal writing style. Like I think he's a really good storyteller and, you know, being, being in a pandemic, like I love to read travel writing. I love to read food writing and he's, he's wonderful. So I was curious about cheese souffles because I don't think I've ever had one. Like I've never had a cheese souffle. I think I've had chocolate lava cakes which are sort of are they the same thing I don't know well they call them souffles right so when you go to a restaurant they usually call it if you go to a fancier restaurant they'll call Mm -hmm. it a chocolate souffle if -hmm. you go to more of the you know family restaurants then they call it a lava cake but it really is the same thing (laughs) okay think about it but yeah it's um and you know he does mention uh, about you know, baking it and if you want it more runny or not. And I think that's when you talk about like the chocolate souffles, right? The lava cake ones are more runny. And then there are chocolate souffles that are really baked all the way through and then they don't have that runniness. But they most don't have people, that sauce on yeah, the bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but most people want that sauce on the bottom when you think about a chocolate souffle. I don't I don't think you want that when you talk about the cheese souffle though. I would rather have mine be more solid, but we'll more talk solid. about that. We will. Yeah. We will. Yeah. So the cheese souffle was really appealing to me because I've been cooking at home all year, like a lot of us. And I just realized that I was doing the greatest hits just over and over and over again. And I just wanted to try something new for dinner. And it just, it feels really challenging and like fancy. So I wanted to try it. I wanted to challenge myself. So here we are. And I was very excited he chose this recipe because I love savory bakes. Right. So I was really excited to see something savory. And I definitely said, well, this is going to be dinner one night. And I went with a meatless Monday. It's a perfect meatless Monday dinner for those people who are thinking about uh, doing some meatless Mondays. It's because it's entirely um, egg-based in terms of the protein. Mm-hmm. And cheese. The oh, best yeah. <laughs> excuse to eat cheese. Um. Yeah, so let's talk about the process of making the cheese souffle. Um, ingredients are pretty straightforward. There's nothing too funky. Let's see. What kind of cheese did you choose to use? So I used Cheddar Jack. He mentions in his recipe, he says, you know, uh, he suggests comte, which I didn't even know what that was, <laughs> um, Gruyere, uh, and then other cheeses. And he does say a cheddar would be nice. Although 
he did make one with cheddar and it tended to be denser and not as light. And mm. so I thought, well, maybe if I do cheddar jack and plus that's what I had in my kitchen. So since I had cheddar jack in the fridge, cause we like to have that around to make like, you know, quick quesadillas for lunch and things like that. So mm-hmm. we have cheddar jack around. So I went, you know what? That's what I'm going to use. I'm going to try it with the cheddar jack. And it was delicious. So yes. I don't, I don't think there was a density problem. It was nice and light. And mm-hmm. um, one, one substitution I did make. So besides the uh, cheese, which he really does say, or your favorite cheese. So he is straight out very flexible with the cheese. Like mm-hmm. he mentions that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one substitution I did do was the salt. It says a quarter teaspoon kosher salt or coast sea salt. And I love my salt. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, I have sitting next to the stove at any one time, five different types of salt. I'm not surprised, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, so, you would Stacy. <laughs> I really like salt. So I went with my lemon rosemary salt. In this, and I think that that makes it, I think it just elevates it a little bit, having a little bit of that lemon mm-hmm. and that rosemary in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I found, I found it interesting because you know, you separate the eggs. He says five large egg yolks, six large egg whites. Um, but he does mention, hey, you know that extra egg yolk? You can just put it in the base of the souffle. <laughs> and I, I, I went ahead and did that because I was like, one extra egg yolk. That's, a, that's just going to be annoying. <laughs> yeah, right? So I was like, around. I just changed this to six egg yolks and six whites. Right? Yes, so and it's fine. Six it's eggs fine. separated, yes. Yeah. And one thing, though, when... I whip up egg whites. Typically you put in some sort of acid component. Usually it's like cream of tartare or something like that in mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. to get it nice and, and light um, and fluffy and get those nice peaks. Um, but he didn't call for that. Instead, he said, put the salt in mm-hmm. when you whip it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's because I was using a lemon rosemary salt. Mm-hmm. Um, I got, I got beautiful peaks and I was very happy. I got beautiful peaks because I kind of screwed up and you're supposed to separate your eggs, right? You're supposed to have your egg whites in one container and your yolks in another. And right. I know how to separate eggs. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you are more organized than I am. And you're supposed to separate eggs into anytime you crack an egg, you're supposed to crack it into a spare bowl and then put it into your main bowl. Right. Right. In case somebody says, in case you ever get a bad egg, I don't even know what that means in terms of the bad egg thing, but because <laughs> I've never encountered that. But I think it smokes in the bathroom. It has a it has a rap sheet. has a reputation. Um, <laughs> but in terms of the separating, it makes sense, right? Because you don't want any of that yolk. You don't want to transfer fat into your egg whites in order right. to get those nice peaks. And in fact, it's even recommended. He doesn't necessarily recommend this, but places where you'll read about whipping up egg whites and making like meringues, for example, Mm -hmm. will tell you don't use plastic bowls because the plastic bowls have the ability to like absorb fat from previous bakes, from previous recipes. So in fact, use like a stainless steel or a glass bowl. Glass bowl, right. Yeah. So that is what I do when I have to whip up egg whites. So I do follow that, but I don't follow the guideline of break it into a small bowl first, you know, your white, Mm -hmm. and then each time transfer it. You're living and on the so edge, Stacey. I this am, and then guess so what happened? Risky. Egg, egg number six. <gasps> egg number six. No. Yeah. Of all of them, right? That is so, egg so heartbreaking. Falls out of my hand. No. And the yolk <laughs> falls into my hand. And I go, Ooh! 
And luckily it didn't break. So then I was like, okay, I can get this yoke out of here. I can right. get this yoke. But in my effort to get the yolk uh-huh. out of the six egg whites, <laughs> I broke it. And about did it happen and did it happen in slow motion it did right it happened in (laughs) slow motion and about a quarter of this yolk you see slowly dropping and there's nothing I can do about it into the bowl of egg whites and now I'm doomed right so then I sat there for probably you know 30 seconds but it felt like five minutes Mm -hmm. thinking to myself what do I do do I start over do I just put all these egg whites and yolks into a jar together now and have six eggs that, you know, I have to make scrambled eggs, omelets, or, you know, measure out a quarter cup at a time later for like, you know, baked goods, maybe down the road. Mm-hmm. Or do I just go with this? And everything I knew told me, you got to start over. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. given the current situation with the pandemic, it's not easy to just go grab another dozen of eggs. No, it's not. So because of that, and I was looking, this is six eggs. If I start over... That's another six eggs. So I've now gone through a dozen. So I said, no, I need to give this a shot. So I started whipping up the egg whites. And I think one thing that helps is it does say room temperature. And I think it is very important when you whip your egg whites to start at room temperature, because by having them at not cold, um, you are going to have the reaction happen faster with the whipping and therefore you're going to reach that peak state um, faster and is it it. like I'm not sciencey but is it just that because they're more flexible they're not like constricted from the cold um it's more that reactions so one way to speed up reactions is by heating them oh okay so obviously you don't want to heat it because you don't want to cook the eggs right you don't want to cook the eggs Mm -hmm. but room temperature is is better because cold things are slower in the cold Got it. So you're going to have more interactions, the more warmer things are. Um, and so, you know, more proteins running into each other to be able to hold hands, if you will, to mm-hmm. make this, uh, uh, to make this reaction a surface, happen. Yeah. yeah, a surface around the air. Um, and I got, I got peaks. I got the peaks that I wanted. Now, again, I was also tempted, like, should I throw in some cream of tartare to help this along? But I thought with the lemon, lemon rosemary salt, I'd be in good shape. And, um, You know, it wasn't a a meringue that I'd be willing to like hold over my head or anything like that, but Mm -hmm. it was definite peaks. Mm -hmm. And I said, this looks like it's going to work. And I went with it and it worked and I was very happy. So I wouldn't have used it though in like a, you know, if this was like an angel food cake or something like that, I think I would have started over. Definitely not a meringue or a macaron or something like that, but it doesn't have to be a perfect meringue for this particular recipe. That's what I was debating about, and that's what I decided. I'm glad you <laughs> and, did. Yay, you saved the eggs. Yeah. So if if you get a tiny, now I wouldn't recommend, you know, not you know getting a lot of yolk in there. Mm-hmm. But and and what I would recommend is do the right thing and separate in a smaller <laughs> bowl one at a time, so that if this happens to you, you lose one egg, which then you know you can you know make for breakfast scrambled egg the next day or whatever. But you don't lose six eggs i'm gonna have you on my shoulder like jiminy cricket whenever i'm baking just yelling like do the right thing it's worth it (laughs) it's worth it it's worth it just to take you know to wash one extra bowl right it's a small bowl it's a tiny bowl you'll be fine one little transition bowl to protect your egg whites from any broken yolks simple step it's something that'll come up again and again in baking you know 
It will. It will. And it, you know, it's come up many times in my life and I <laughs> am lazy and don't get up at We just don't want you to make the same mistakes that we have in our banking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's my advice to the folks out there. That's very good. I, I had a, I mean, the results of this are fantastic. They're really, really, it's a really delicious dish. Um, I did use Comte because I, I don't even know if that's the way you say it. Sorry, guys. Comte, C-O-M-T-E. Is that right? Yeah, with an accent on the E. Right. It's a, what is it? I wrote this down. Is that a French cheese? Yes. Or... It's a, it's a very, de- it's a semi-hard cheese and it's a cow's cheese, cow's milk cheese. It's from France. And it's so a little bit like. What does semi-hard mean? It's kind of like, like a cheddar? Like a gruyere, maybe? Like a little bit drier. Okay. Like halfway between a cheddar and Parmesan. Okay. Does that make sense? So not as dry as a Parmesan. No. Not as hard. No, okay. not as dry, not as hard. It's a little bit sweet. It's nutty. I love it. I had it on a cheese platter once, and it was my favorite cheese um, by far. Um, what uh, color is it? The one that I had was like a pale, pale yellow. Okay. Yeah. I'll keep an eye out. It's really delicious. Um, it was, I wrote down the price because it's a little bit pricier than, than regular. That might be why we don't have it in our <laughs> <laughs> It was, I got it from Trader Joe's. Um, it was eight seventy five for 12 ounces. So it was kind of pricey. Oh, that is kind of pricey. Okay. Yeah. So I used eight ounces of that and then just ate the rest myself. <laughs> um, well, let's see, he asks for how many... No, but he does say eight ounces of, of cheese. Yeah, he offers you... Oh, yeah, because like, your, your thing was 12 ounces. You said yours was 12 ounces. Right. Okay. So, so there's eight or six ounces are the two options. So if you wanted a lighter... Oh. He says if you want a lighter souffle, you can use six ounces. If you want it super cheesy, which I always do, I used eight. Um, this is a great recipe for using up odds and ends of cheeses because... Uh, I don't think oh, it really matters true. like what the quantities are of the different cheeses you use. As long as they're melting, like they sort of melt, you're fine. Right. And, and they add up to eight ounces. Right. You're and, right. Cause like I, I use that cheddar Jack combo. Yeah. You know, of cheese. It uh, comes like pre-shredded in a bag called cheddar Jack. And it's, you know, the mixture of cheddar and Jack and those are different cheeses and mm-hmm. it worked totally fine. Totally fine. It's a very forgiving recipe for being something that has a reputation for being very fancy it's yeah. you just throw you throw stuff together and I think for me the prep work was the thing that took the longest so shredding the cheese by hand which is what I did is what took the longest and then separating the, the eggs and that's what I would recommend like to save time absolutely buy pre-shredded cheese if you want to have something like kind of fancy kind of impressive like take the shortcuts another shortcut I would recommend and this is probably blasphemy in terms of flavor is that he recommends buttering the dish with softened butter and then sprinkling what is it grated parmesan grated parmesan like i used a microplane and just did a little parmesan and that takes you know that takes a little bit of time if you just mm-hmm. use a pat like pam like a pan spray that's fine too i think that'll be fine. i actually i actually did do butter mm-hmm. and the parmesan cheese but you're right probably if you just use any sort of fat right yeah and parmesan cheese it probably would have been fine but i can tell you that crust that's formed it's by the parmesan so cheese, delicious that was very popular in our house it's so good we, we were all <laughs> scraping the side there to, to make sure that we got our adequate fill of that parmesan that was crusted on the side it was a bit messy so what i did is i put i used a pyrex glass storage i think you gave this to me it's a storage dish <laughs> oh that's what you used 
yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, I don't think that's what you were supposed to use. It was fine though, but like, <laughs> what size is that dish? I didn't have I didn't have a dish that was the right size. That was the closest one. This one was one point five liters. It's a six cup storage dish, and it was oh, okay. um, eight. Because he asked for eight cups, right? He asked for it says does it say two quart? I think is that what we're supposed to use for our store for the dish? Let's see. I'm like, I'm trying this to is one and a half to two quart, two liters. So mine oh, was one point five. So actually- Okay, mm-hmm. actually, your dish was probably a better size than mine. I I didn't. I grabbed the wrong size dish. So I have a set of casserole dishes, mm-hmm. and they nest inside of each other. And I was like, oh, I think that's the biggest one. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the biggest one. I should have grabbed the one small, the medium-sized one is the one I should have grabbed. Uh, and I just, you know, didn't wasn't thinking. I was probably still in a daze because of the yolk falling in the white uh, <laughs> it's so, traumatic so i understand i, I use a dish that was too big and and i don't think it's necessarily a problem to use a dish that's too big except you don't get that you know one of the things you picture about a souffle is that beautiful rise above the dish right right mm-hmm. that's what everyone wants to see like that so you don't get that if you choose too big of a dish because it just it can't rise that high and i didn't realize how how small how big the dish was relative to the recipe until i poured everything into the dish and went oh it's not if it's like not gonna it's not gonna rise over I knew that based on I was like I know how much souffles generally rise this isn't gonna rise over you Mm -hmm, know it'll mm -hmm. probably just get right to the top Mm -hmm. but not not over but even though we didn't have that beauty of the rising over it still rose nicely and it still tasted delicious it's you know one thing he says yeah one thing he says is that it's six servings and I can tell you (laughs) we're a family of four (laughs) two adults and two children <laughs> although my children do eat like adults um it was gone mm-hmm. there were no leftovers oh good so i i'm gonna say it's four <laughs> yeah it looks like four to me too it was my dish for size like just so that you can visualize the size it's eight inches by six by two so the two inches was enough for me to get about an inch rise over the top so oh, it was really it was nice. really really pretty it filled the dish perfectly. I was nervous because it it looked small. Like I had the opposite problem. So I put a baking sheet underneath it when I put it in the oven just to make sure. That's a good idea. It didn't explode. And it didn't. It just, it, it rose straight up. It rose vertically. And then it deflates. So you got to like present it. <laughs> Be like, look what yeah, I that's did. Why, yeah. That's why the timing on souffles is important, right? Right. You want to time them. The, the, and that's, that's one thing that yeah. makes it hard to serve oftentimes. But during right now when you know, you kind of have a better idea of people's schedules because, you know, after school practices are canceled, you know, like right. you don't have the normal schedule. Right. Uh, it made it a lot easier for a Monday night dinner. It's very good for for homebound people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that yeah. I really, I really enjoyed making this. I think that the prep work is, is like I said, is what takes a long time, but it's such a fancy thing in my mind when it's basically make a white sauce Put the shredded, right. put the shredded cheese in, melt it, and then like whip in egg whites and bake it. Like that's basically what a souffle is, and it surprised and how me. How long? How long did you bake yours for? Because um, I did have to change the bake time on mine. So he says to put it on the middle rack of the oven mm-hmm. for twenty minutes mm-hmm. without opening the door. Mm-hmm. That's because if you open it, there's a potential of it sinking. Then right. Um, and then he said it's. If you like it on the runny side, you're probably good. I do not want a runny cheese souffle. Personally, if it was chocolate. I'm good. Um, he says, if you like it firmer, usually 25 minutes total is the right baking time. So I took mine out at 25 minutes and it looked done. 
And, you know, he said, you know, you can kind of touch it and if it feels firm. But the problem is because of the cheese contents, the cheese kind of forms naturally a, a sort of crust on top. Mm-hmm. So it looks that crust brown. Firm. Yeah. Yeah. And it looks brown. It browns beautifully. And so you touch it and it feels firm. Mm-hmm. So then I took a spoon and went inside yeah. and I'm like, oh, no, too runny. Yeah. So I put it back in the oven immediately and went for another 10 whole minutes. Oh, wow. And I and I saw that the crack that I had formed by the spoon, mm-hmm. you know, uh, was totally cooked. Oh, it baked. You know, okay. inside. It rebaked through and it it didn't sink. Shockingly, mm. it didn't sink, um, which is what I thought would happen. Probably because you it did it fast, had, you know. Yeah, maybe because I was just so quick about up oh, instantly put it back. And that 35 minutes gave us a it wasn't dense. It wasn't it did not seem overcooked at all. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, mm-hmm. it seemed like and in all four of our opinions, it seemed perfectly cooked. It was light and fluffy mm-hmm. the way you think of a souffle. Mm-hmm. And interesting note, I have a daughter who claims she hates eggs. Hmm. Well, a souffle, this was half a dozen eggs. I mean, basically, it's, it's just a, eggs. It's, like, it's eggs and cheese. It's a fancy omelet, if you will. It right? is. It's an omelet. It's a it's deconstructed omelet cooked differently, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and she hates omelets. But she loves this cheese souffle. Because it doesn't taste eggy, right? There's right. not it's it's so dominated by the cheese and and, it, and the seasonings. He has you put in chives, yeah, which I thought was a wonderful addition. Yes. Uh so yeah. I did put in the chive mm-hmm. and I added a little bit of extra of that lo- lemon rosemary salt on top because we love that. Salt. I thought the nutmeg and the cayenne pepper made it have like this warm back note to the flavor. It was delicious. I added the cayenne. I did not add the nutmeg because that same kid who says she doesn't like eggs also doesn't like nutmeg. Um, <laughs> so so I, I, I did not add that. Mm-hmm. And that kid who doesn't like eggs went back for a second. There you go. So, you know, before we had run out, it was like, is there a little bit more left? And I was like, you can have the rest that's left. And she was very excited about it. And she took the whole bowl and you know, scraped it clean. So um, we love this. So- we love this. I made it twice. And so the first time I did follow his baking instructions and I took it out at 25 minutes. And when I cut into it, it poured on the bottom. Like, so if you like runnier eggs, the like cheese pouring sauce on the bottom of the souffle, once you scoop into it is delicious. Like if you're into that, do the like shorter baking time. We like maybe more firm omelets. Like I don't like mine as runny. I think like, a traditional French omelet is a lot runnier than the way that we usually get them in the United States. Okay. So I like a firmer egg. I did 30 minutes. So you did 35. Okay. Yes. okay. Yes. Yeah. So I did 30 minutes and that was perfect for us. There's two adults and one toddler. So we did have leftovers and I was like, oh, these leftovers are going to be crap. You know, <laughs> they're just going to be yeah. like how did, nasty. How do leftovers work with a souffle? I covered because it's a Pyrex storage dish. I covered it. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, it had deflated. So it was below the rim okay. of the of the casserole. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be crappy, but let's see what happens. The next day, I opened it up. It was still like, it wasn't as airy by far as it was for dinner, but it was still like scrambled eggs, like fluffy scrambled eggs. So what I did is I heated them up like very, very quickly in the microwave, just a minute. And then I put them, I I made breakfast burritos. So I put them in burritos. Oh, yeah, that's a clever use of the leftovers. So salsa and it's cheese and it's eggs. Like it's all the same ingredients you would have in a breakfast. They were delicious. They were so good. 
Yeah. Well, that's good to know if you have a smaller family or light eaters. Right. But I can tell you, if you have a family of four, you might not have the problem <laughs> having leftovers. It's so good. It smells it delicious. delicious. And I think it's such a, like, exciting thing to bring to a table of, like, kind of jaded home cooking eaters <laughs> who are like, yeah, you make the same things over and over again. Well, like, yeah, yeah watch this. It's, yeah. It's a great surprise. It is. It's a great, pleasant surprise. And I really enjoyed the recipe. My whole family mm-hmm. really enjoyed the recipe. So even if you have a, a picky person in your house who claims they don't like mm-hmm. eggs, this might be a dish to convert them. Right. Don't don't tell them how much eggs are in a souffle. <laughs> Just say it's a souffle. It's souffle. And, it's fancy. There's cheese. Go with that. Yeah. A yeah. little salad. We did an arugula salad with just balsamic vinegar. Oh, that sounds like it would be really good. With the, and I think what it needed was like some kind of crunch. So like some kind of cracker or crouton would have been good. But other than that, it was a yeah. perfect dinner. It was really, really good. Toddler ate it up. She ate it up. That's good to know. So hopefully our, our listeners will give this recipe a shot because I think we both had great success with it mm-hmm. and we used different kinds of cheeses. Mm-hmm. So it is very versatile. They can probably just look in their fridge. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, they could mix the cheese. Yeah. So if they've got little bits of all kinds of cheeses, just throw it on a scale and see if it adds up to eight ounces. And if it does great, go for go it. Go for it. It's a wonderful yeah. recipe to use up leftovers and you get something really impressive. And it's a really fun meatless Monday dish. Woohoo. What are we baking next week, Stacey? Well, so next week, one of our listeners, Sarah, who happens to be a friend of mine, asked if we would do an episode about macarons. Macarons. Yes, because she and her daughter were trying to bake them, and they were having trouble. They weren't getting feet. They were just having the usual issues people get with macarons. And so she was saying, any chance you guys would do an episode on that? And I said, let's do that. Let's tackle this because I can imagine that this is something that a lot of people enjoy, but have issues with. There's a lot of troubleshooting that goes on, I think, when you make a good macaron. So we're going to use a recipe from Tasty. It's not a recipe that I've used before, but when I looked at their recipe, it seemed less fussy than some of the other recipes that I've used. And I've had success with other recipes from Tasty. So I'm hoping we have success with this one. Ooh, I'm excited. Macarons are intimidating, but I think we'll be able to tackle them. Everyone, thanks for baking along with us this week. For links to the recipes and other notes, please check out our website, www.thebakersnotebook.com, or follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Baker's Notebook. See you next time. Happy baking. Bye.